0: and go with me to the book of John. John. Book of John, chapter 4. Of course, we provide uh, screens for those who don't have Bibles. On the big screens. Also, we provide the announcement cards. Those always have uh, an area where you can take notes. We used to say years ago, Note-takers are history makers. It's not a scripture, but rhymes, so. (laughs) But it's a good idea to meditate on the things that we we talk about in here, you know. It's been said there's two different kinds of people who come to church, you know, those who uh, just basically want to say that they went, and those who come to get something, those who come to have their lives altered, their minds renewed, so they can go out and do something with the things of God and make a difference in this world. And so uh, I don't know where you're at today, but I would encourage you to take the things that we're sharing very serious, take them to heart, apply them to your lives, and and go do something. Amen. Or you can be bored out of your brain, treat it like a religion, (laughs) you can become a Pharisee or whatever you want, or this can be the real deal, it can be a a living experience between you and the Lord. It's yours, it's personally, you own it. it, wherever it is. If it's awesome, it's, it's your deal. It's your relationship. If it stinks, it's your relationship with God. And it can be whatever you want it to be. Amen. I'll come back to that thought in a minute, I think. I need to read our text. I like to read a, a certain verse and read it again and again when I teach a series like this. So let's read John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. Jesus is talking with this woman at a well. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And so we can see by this passage, just to do a little review here, that that the Lord is emphasizing with this woman that it's not about the mountain, nor is it about Jerusalem, but there's a new way of things happening, coming shortly. And He said during this time, because He's there about to die, die on the cross for our sins, about to be raised from the dead, where the spirit of men and women would be made alive would be ignited with the life of God. And it's called being regenerated or born again. And from that place, a person could have a relationship with God. They could worship Him in spirit and according to truth. Jesus is uh, truth, right? And, And so you can see that what He's talking about here is not just a worship service. Not talking about what many times we think, I go to church to worship, or it is this little this little set period of time where I sing a song, I adore Him, I lift up my hands, and I worship God. Worship is much bigger than that. It's far more encompassing. It does not just involve our time here together, but it, 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 it fully encompasses our entire life, and it's not just a location that we're at, but it is about our relationship with Him. Everybody with me today? And so, we should seek to worship God. According to His desire. We we seek we see that He's seeking such to worship Him. Those who will worship in spirit and truth. He's looking for that. I should be mindful of what He's looking for. Not what makes me comfortable. Not what I like best. Not my personal preferences or my tradition. I should be looking for whatever He wants. And if I discover that the Lord is pleased with something that he desires and here it's spirit and truth then I should be all about that and if I wasn't about that five minutes ago the moment I discovered that this is what the Lord is about i change yeah I said well I just want to stay the way I am (laughs) why 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 do we especially I think in our country we fight for me I just want to be who I am accept me the way I am no change and I say that with all love and sincerity and in your faceness but I say it to, I say it in the mirror too if I'm not the way the Lord way the Lord wants me who says that I am the way I am anyway'm I'm, I'm the way I've been influenced oftentimes by environment and society but things I've listened to things I've given myself to that's Why I am the way I am and why I think the way I think. And, and, And sometimes it's just wrong. Sometimes I just need to change it. And have a little brainwashing going on. Or, as the scripture would say, mind renewal. So I start to think like Him and be like Him. And my worship then is accepted by Him. It's pleasing to Him. It's spirit and truth good stuff. And so worship then is first a lifestyle and begins with a heart. It doesn't begin with the external, with the outward expression. It begins inside. That's what the Lord is looking at. And so we worship with Him in mind as opposed to ourselves or others or the commands of men. There is such a thing, as we talked about already, as as vain worship. We want to stay far away from that and have true worship. Okay? But we should identify with Jesus much more than we would a local church or a group of people, or a certain system of beliefs. Um, I've found at different times in, in talking with people that I, that I meet, that I will ask them to try to locate them spiritually, and ask them if they're a believer, are they a Christian, they have a relationship with God, different ways to say that. And uh, I've had times where people respond to me, instead of saying, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I'm saved, yes, uh, you know, I'm born again. Yeah, They say, uh, when I ask them the question, they say, yeah, I'm a Lutheran. Or, yeah, I'm a Methodist. Or, I'm a Baptist. And I think, sitting there, I think, well, that's not what I asked you. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all to any of those people, but I don't really care about that. And this hinders a person's ability to worship God if they identify just with a religious group or a denomination or something like that above relating to Jesus personally. That I, I was lost, but I'm found. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved. I have a relationship with God. That should be the description of our lives. Not, I'm a something or ism or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Now, if you think that to be, you know, kind of kicking some of these groups under, to the curb, that's not the way I mean it. Uh, my desire is, 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 is for us that if someone were to ask us that question, our response wouldn't be, oh, yeah, I go to life church. Because we don't, you know, we're not a denomination, so we don't have an ism <laughs> or an ist or something like that, which is fine. But I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't describe myself that way. Someone said, are, are, you, are you saved? Are, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Yeah, I go to life church. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's true. And yes, I value that. I value God-ordained connections like we have here. I don't diminish that at all. But it's not the first thing. The first thing is I identify with Him. I'm saved. I'm in the family of God. I don't think in heaven we're going to have our life church section. (laughs) Our houses are bigger than everyone else's. And it's real close to the throne. (laughs) No. I don't think that's going to be much of a a topic. We're all one body. One family. It doesn't matter what group you are a part of. And And I say that. It matters in this sense. Be led. God wants to connect us to certain groups and people and so forth. That is important. It's just the big picture is we're in the family of God. We're in the body of Christ. We're part of His kingdom. These things need to matter most. And this matters because that's kind of how we would translate some of this conversation at the well into today's language. People still identify with this group or this group or that group more than spirit and truth. Your relationship with the Father, your worship of Him is spirit. I've been saved. My I, I've been filled with His life it is in truth. It's according to Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. So these things need to, need to be uh, predominant in our thinking. But the reality is, is everyone is worshiping something or someone. If someone says, I, I don't really, I'm not really uh, uh, big on worship. Not true. Not true. People are worshiping something. If you're not worshiping uh, God, you're worshiping something else. Now you may not bow down to it, you may not sing a song to it, or to a, another person, but everyone is setting someone or something up in their life that they, they pay homage to, so to speak, they, they adore it, they give it their time. Usually you can determine what some of those things are by looking at a person's schedule, by looking at where they spend their money, by looking at some of the, these different aspects of a person's life, you can tell what they truly worship. just went beyond the song, didn't it? (laughs) Well, I sing the song. I sang it loud. Well, fine. That's part of it. Uh, But everyone worships something. And you know, when we talk about uh, our our relationship with God, our worship of the Lord, how many know it's not just, not supposed to be just one way? Unidirectional. It's not just supposed to be one way that that we worship. It's supposed to be a two-way street. You know, we could show you scriptures if we had the time, but, but... and there's a couple different places that I'm aware of that reference God praising us. Jesus talked about those who seek the praises of men more than the praises of God. What well, do you mean God would praise us? Yeah. You know he really likes you. When you really like someone, when you really love someone, you want to shower praise and adoration and and He does that towards us. So what we're talking about when we sing, oh, I love you, Lord, I worship you, and, and we sing all these songs, it's not just one way. It's supposed to be a love relationship between the Father and us. You know, the Bible tells us over in Luke, why don't you look at that with me, Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 and verse 38 is a popular verse. We use, use, you can use it in a lot of different contexts. The context of this is actually talking about giving, And, you know, offerings and stuff. But in the context of this verse, uh, right before it, Jesus used another example about judging. Remember, judge not lest ye be judged. He used all these different things to talk about how the kingdom of God works in relationship to what we put into something. And he said in verse 38, Give, and it will be given uh, uh, to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the measure... This is the part I want to get at. For with the measure... The same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The same measure that you use, it'll be given back to you. That's why I started saying at the beginning: your relationship with God is whatever you make it. If it's incredible, if it's, it's if it's amazing, if it's mind blowing, this is the greatest life like it ever happens because you've given yourself to it. You've you've gone in with Him and you've measured yourself out to to Him, and He has measured Himself back to you. In that same way. But if it's nothing, if it's boring, if it's ho-hum, if it's not fruitful and not effective, if it's not life-altering, that could be directly tied to and related to the measure that we use. And we all know this is true. I mean, sometimes, I know our, our service here is just a small part of our worship to the Lord. Let's remember that. But even in our worship to the Lord, you've been there, I've been there, where sometimes we're singing, but we're not really measuring out very much. We're not really going for it. We're just kind of there. We're in the building. Hopefully clapping on beat. You know. But other than that, there's not a whole lot. And then there's been times, and this is why we can measure it against that. There's times when we're there. Oh, and it's so good, isn't it? I mean, the flow of God that comes back. The presence of His grace and power that floods our life is just amazing. And this is the the way that things work with God. But you call on Him, you don't get silence. There's a response that comes from the Lord back to us. Today, though, many people want results. They want the results of a life that is fully devoted devoted to God while largely living committed to their own personal well-being. I don't understand why I don't get it all. It's the measure that we use. And then it's measured back to us. Well, let's talk about this a little bit more. Uh, worship. True worship. It's, it's intimacy with God. This gets far away from where we define Christianity as living by a code. Just living by a set of rules. No, it's Marriage. It's married to the Lord. It's a relationship that is exclusive. It's a relationship like none other. Only when it takes that place, that description, does it have the potential to be what God intended it to be. You know and the, the scriptures talk about in Ephesians chapter 5 about the marriage relationship, husbands and wives and how they relate to each other and so forth. And then in that, in that chapter we see the language how this is a great mystery. He said, I speak to you about, concerning Christ and the church. And this is a very unique relationship that we have with the, with the Father that goes far beyond a religious experience and adherence to a, a code or, or a, or a doctrinal, doctrinal statement. It's a relationship with the Father. You see, sin is what messed this up, but in the beginning when God created mankind, it wasn't just so God would have a group of people who would act a certain way. He wanted a group of people who He could have a relationship with individually the whole great plan of salvation, Jesus coming to bear our sin, to deal with the curse, and to forever wash us clean, was all to this end, that we could be reunited, and reestablished an unhindered relationship with the Father. Amen. And that's where it's got to stay. It's got to stay in that realm. The moment it leaves, the moment we become sometimes, you know, how can I say, irritating, Uh, we're looked upon as judgmental, we're just trying to make sure everybody toes the line, and it leaves that relational side. Make sure everyone pays their dues, I mean, gives. All these things come out of, you have to, you must, this is your obligation, instead of, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm washed, I'm clean, I have a relationship with God that lasts forever. It's an amazing life, I would trade nothing uh, for it. Giving comes freely, not by obligation. It's it, 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 All these things come out of that. Many times people miss out on experiences with God. They may be towing the line, probably not, but, you know, towing it to some degree and falling and... But they miss out on experiences with God. It's one of the reasons we do our believers meetings on Wednesday nights. Because we go beyond what we do here on Sunday morning. We go beyond just a teaching. We go into presence. Not that we don't have any of that here today. But there's much more to have in a relationship. It's an experience with Him. where He wraps His arms around you. Where, where, where He talks to you. You hear His voice. You know He loves you. You know He's directing you. You know He's got a plan for your life. It, and his power flows through you. It's an experience with God. It's so much better. And, uh, but again, this is a picture between a husband and a wife. Um, and you think about that relationship. The, the marriage relationship is different than friends. Friends. Husbands and wives should be friends as well. But how many know uh, you can be friends and then you can be married? There's some things that aren't supposed to happen between friends. Right? But they are supposed to happen between husband and wife. All right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Sex. (laughs) Friends, roommates. Not to have sex. But husbands and wives, supposed to. Amen. (laughs) Here's the deal. What if... What if a couple were married for a long time and they never had sex? How many know they're missing out on something pretty good. The level of their relationship could be much higher. It could be much more intimate, but they, even though they may have a, a marriage license, may be married according to the country rules, practically speaking, they're just like friends, roommates, they're, they're experiencing a relationship on a lower level. Now, that might be a fine relationship. I mean, because honestly, we know, you know, don't raise your hands, but this happens. There are some married couples that they live in a plutonic way for many years for different reasons, and, and they don't have that intimate side of their relationship anymore, and it's not supposed to be that way. It's not. It's, it, it, that, that's not what a marriage is. Just like just like people who are not married, they're not supposed to. You know. <laughs> that would be wrong. But those who are, they're supposed to. That would be right. And that brings that relationship to a higher level. Now, why am I talking about this? One, because, you know, giddy up. Uh, <laughs> but two, because it's a because this is a picture of Christ in the church. Because this is what's supposed to be... In a relationship with God, it's possible for two people to just be, quote, roommates. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about whether you're going to heaven or hell. I'm talking about having a relationship with God where it's pretty much high fives. You know, you get along, you like each other, but it's not really good it doesn't have those exclusive aspects to it likened unto the husband and wife marriage relationship compared to friends or roommates christianity without true worship is like marriage without sex bummer (laughs) huh and there are many, many, many believers are Christians. I'm not they're loved by God and saved and going to heaven, but the intimacy factor between the Lord, it's not physical at all. It's not weird like it's spiritual, but it doesn't exist. It's more mechanical. This is, this is how I, I'm a Christian. I go here, I do this, I say these things. And, and maybe that's an extreme. Maybe I'm overemphasizing the mechanical nature of it. But that's when people become legalistic. They become fair, like Pharisees and, and all this stuff. That's when it's boring to them. It's dry at times. The way read the Word and they fall asleep. And, and, uh, and, and all these things happen and it's not an, a, a living relationship. And it can be. It's supposed to be. When we talk about worship, this is the most intimate part of our relationship with God. And many Christians are like this. They don't know how good true worship really is. Amen. I want us to know what it's like to have the Lord wrap His arms around you. His presence overshadow you. His power flow through you. You're aware of His, of His thoughts of His plans, of His purposes, and and one of the things you enjoy most, most, is just being with the Lord. I don't know what your experiences are, I'd be interested to hear some. My experience from going from a lukewarm, blah, 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 I'm saved but not really excited, to going into a whole nother level of my walk with God, it... Well, two things that were key. One was teaching. When I heard the Word, it lit something inside of me instead of what I was getting at church. Uh, but the second thing, when that happened, when some... And I, let me back up. It happened the other way around. Some of this happened before I even started learning the Word. But the Lord started dealing within me, within me and the very first thing that changed in me is I started worshiping God. In church, before I sang the songs, then I worshiped. And it happened with me when I was by myself. I would get alone, no one else around, and I would lift my hands and I would worship the Lord. I would worship Him. that's, what, that's what, what changed in me. I wonder, I wonder, does it ever happen any different? I wonder, does a person ever really move forward, make progress in God without spending intimate, close time with him? I just tell you. I'm thinking this through as I'm speaking. I doubt it. I doubt it. Now, someone might become studious. They might memorize. They might learn. They might study things. They might study the Bible, you know, as, as a book. You know, Jesus even said to the Pharisees, he, he said, you study the Scriptures. He said, but they're talking about me. But you won't come to me. They were studying the Word. They were studying the Scriptures. And the author of it was standing before them, but they didn't have a relationship with God. They had a relationship with doctrine. I want to go further than that. Amen. You know, good news about this. Uh, well, bad news is this. Let me see the bad news. What do you say if a person begins to exalt other things in their life above God? A Christian now. Someone who's been saved. They exalt other things in their life above God. Stay with the type and shadow. Stay with the picture here. That's called adultery. Right? E. We call it backsliding. We call it a number of other things, putting other gods before him. But really when you look at it as, as an intimate relationship, that's going outside of that commitment and that bond to worship other things. We don't want to do that. But Jeremiah 3.14 says, return, O oh backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. Good news is He forgives. Good news, He restores. Good news is He's married to us and brings us back. Praise God. Everybody okay so far? Yeah. Can I give you some definitions? I, I want to, uh, there's a lot of words that we use in, in church and in Christian circles, but uh, uh, worship and these kind of things, so I want to I give you some definitions, so when we use them, we talk about them, we know, what we're talk, we know what we're saying, first of all, the word worship, the Hebrew word worship, you know what it means, it means to bow down, to bow down, you can see humility, you can see adoration there, it means to bow down, I know we don't do a whole lot of bowing on Sunday morning, It'd certainly be acceptable, but there's not a whole lot of room, but uh, But it means to bow. The Greek word, the Greek word translated worship, if you don't know, the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew, New Testament from Greek. That's why we reference those languages as opposed to like Spanish. The Spanish word means, and I don't really know what it means. The Greek word, uh, it, it comes from two words. The first part of it means towards, and the second part of that Greek word means to kiss. So when they said this, this word in the Greek, which is what our New Testament was translated, it meant to kiss towards. And you can see some intimacy there. You know, a relationship can be a side-by-side relationship. That would represent often, you know, friendships, partners, that kind of thing. But a relationship can be a face-to-face relationship. And that's more intimate. That's again, you see that husband-wife relationship there, face-to-face. That's what we're supposed to have with God. It is a higher level relationship. It is face-to-face. I'm looking at, looking at him in the, in the face. He's looking at me. And you communicate with your eyes and, and, and with everything. Uh, the word praise means to boast, to give thanks, to confess, to acknowledge, to praise. When we say, we're going to go praise the Lord, what do we mean? Uh, I'm going to go brag on him the psalmist said I will make my boast in the Lord what, do you, what are you talking about today here's a thought side thought when, when service is over does conversation go 100% natural weather food football whatever or does it stay constantly 24-7 where there's a spiritual element. I've had trouble because it bothers me at times if I'm in a lengthy conversation, I meet someone, they tell me they're a believer, they're a Christian, but I can't get them to talk about spiritual things. It's like, uh." not that it has to be all about that. I can talk about golf and everything else. You know, that's fine. I'm not calling that wrong or anything. But what I've tried to get a spiritual aspect in someone who says they're a Christian and I can't get them to talk about anything God-related for more than one second, and phoosh, he switches back. It's like that person doesn't really know the Lord, do they? Doesn't seem like it. I'm not the I'm not the judge of that, but it doesn't seem like it. All right, let's come back. Praise means to make our boast in the Lord. I'm bragging on Him, talking about what He has done. Be specific in your life, can you? When you're praising the Lord. Can you be, sometimes in here we might just be generic and praise you, praise you, Lord, you're so good, you're so wonderful. Praise Him for specific things in your life. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. The word honor means to value, to be highly esteemed. We honor the Lord, give Him that place. The word glorify, sometimes we sing that and say that, Lord, I glorify you. It means to magnify, extol, and praise. So a lot of the same language here. Uh, ma- the word magnify, I like it. When we say, Lord, I magnify you. Oh, I magnify you, Lord. It means to make great. It's, it's the Greek word megas, Mega. I'm going to mega the Lord. What do I mean? Well, it signifies to enlarge. We think about a magnifying glass. You know, like when you're a kid, you get the magnifying glass to burn the ants on the sidewalk. Well, some people do that. That's at that other church. We're kind to ants. No, we're not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, to magnify. Well, does that, Why does the Lord need to be magnified? Isn't He already big? Well, sometimes, well, of course he is, but sometimes he's not big to us. Sometimes we got this problem, and it's huge, mega problem, a little bitty God. What do I need to do? I need to spend some time with the Lord until he becomes mega in me, in my mind. And so, you know, sometimes when people take offense, it's said that they make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, sometimes people have made a molehill out of a mountain-sized God. Mega God. We magnify him. Lord, be magnified. Be glorified. I lift you high. And, and we start declaring his greatness. What happens? The problems that we face, the things of this world, get small. And he gets lifted. And then we start thinking like, like Jesus. You know, the Bible says that he cast, out, he cast out spirits, demons, by the finger of God. Man, the devil's after me. Well, get your finger out. Boop. Man, I'm being hit hard, being hit strong. Use a big finger then. But we compare the magnitude and the power and love and might of God compared to anything that would come against us. You understand why the scripture says if God be for us, who can be against us? And greater is he who is in us than he who's in the world. Magnify Him. Exalt means to lift up. I exalt Thee. Remember that song? It means we lift Him up. Again, above us, above circumstance, above life, above everything. This glorifies the Lord. Hallelujah! What does that mean? It means to praise the Lord. Yeah. Hebrew says, praise ye Yah. Yah. It means praise the Lord. Uh, there is a word we use sometimes called sacrifice. Sacrifice. Are we, to, are we to sacrifice for the Lord? Well, yeah, sacrifice is the act of offering. Um, s- sacrifice is, is doing right when you don't feel like it. Have you ever not felt like doing a good thing? But you decided, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. Some of you didn't feel like coming to church today, right? Got robbed an hour. You were going to take it out on God, but you didn't. <laughs> Bless God, I'm not going. They change the clocks like that obviously, I'm talking about other people. I would never talk about you while you're here. I will only talk about you when you're not here. <laughs> uh, but so- sometimes people do. They, they just, this is what I should do. This is what I ought to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. I don't feel like doing it. Don't really want to do it right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know what that is? Worship. That honors God when you do the right thing. That honors God when you give something up in your flesh. That says I don't want it. It'll feel like it, so forth. Uh, it honors the Lord. So, there are some sacrifices that we're called to make. Let me give you four examples in Scripture. Number one, Romans twelve one says that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is worship to God. It's our bodies offered as a sacrifice. Number two, Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says that we offer the sacrifice of praise to God. You ever feel like not praising God? Well, this is, a good time. this is a good time to give Him something that He's worthy of. I don't feel like it. Don't want to. Don't like the song. Don't Whatever it is, we offer it to Him anyway. It's a sacrifice to us. We're killing something in ourselves. Number three, uh, uh, in the very next verse, Hebrews 13, 16, doing good. Notice that. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do good. You know some people that are serving today in our kids ministry, or they're serving helping with the youth, or, or with many of the other areas. You know you know what they're doing right now? They're doing good. You know what they're doing? They're sacrificing. You know what they're doing? They're worshiping God. And it would be totally incorrect for someone to say, you know, I wouldn't be able to be in the time of worship today because I was serving in this other area of the of the building. I was ministering over here. No, you did partake of the worship time today probably more than some who sang the song or at least stood there and stared at the screen <laughs> doing good it's a sacrifice it's acceptable to God and the other ones right in that same verse notice notice that language uh, notice do good and to share now share is a, is a word that means to give you, you, you know what what uh, what is worship a sacrifice through offerings. Sacrifice through giving. Uh, Galatians 6.6 6 talks about the same thing. Have you ever had this thought? Of course you didn't, but those people who are in bed do. Uh, <laughs> you ever had this thought? Man, we were having such a good worship time. Oh, it was so good. The presence of God was so strong. I was just loving on the Lord. And they interrupted it with an offering. Just broke the flow of that thing with, a, with, a, with tithes and offerings and these things. And man, actually, if you want to stay with Scripture, that didn't interrupt the flow. That increased it. That wasn't a change of, of direction. That was a continued direction. What what, what do we mean? Because when someone gives to the Lord of their substance, of their stuff, that is one of the greatest ways to worship Him. It's easy to sing the song. (laughs) It's another thing to put greenbacks on the line. It's a higher form of worship. Say say, amen or say oh me. Hallelujah. Hosea 14, verse 2 says, Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Sometimes you don't want to, you don't feel like it, but we worship him anyway. A lot of what I'm talking to you about today, and I'm just finished with these thoughts, it's personal, it's all the time, it's intimate. And if it's not, let's let it get there. Let's let them, because he'll move on your heart. He'll move on you even while I'm speaking. He already has been I'm telling you he wants to spend time with you, intimate, close, one on one, personal time. We can do it to a measure here, to a measure, to a degree. But how many know some things are just inappropriate when others are around? We talk about it naturally, but in our, our spiritual relationship with God, which is communication, which is presence, it's not physical. in in that sense, uh, there are some things that are more appropriate when you're by yourself. Someone said, I'm going to go to church to worship God. Great, we'll do it. But you know what? You might reach a place when you go down this road where you say, I want to worship God so I really don't want to be around anyone right now. I want to be alone. And then when we come together and everyone has this personal, intimate thing going on -on one-on-one, come on, talk about an explosion. (laughs) Talking about, man, it's it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. But many times people replace the one-on-one with this. And that's not the way God intended for it to be. He does not just relate to us as a group. Relate to us as a body. He relates to us individually. Then we make up a body of believers. But without the individual aspect, just absolutely going on, then we're missing it. And He's drawing us. Come on, He's stirring our hearts to draw near, to walk close with Him. Most of our worship should take place outside of this setting. Most of it. Someone say, "I wouldn't want to worship longer." I think we should do like an hour of worship together. Well, maybe you don't do any all on your own. Maybe that's why you're so lacking. Needy of that. Yes. Hallelujah! Everybody, okay? Yes. All right. I'm trying to finish. I want to say it the right way. I want it to be received well. The potential of your relationship with God is beyond what you know. Mine can go farther. It's an intimate rela- walk with with the Lord let's pray today Father we love you we worship you we honor and bless you we thank you for what you're doing in us and Father may your presence now fill us once again may your love surround us may your glory be present in and around it already is there in but manifest through us flow out from us we draw ourselves near to you and you draw near to us Father, we call upon your name and you answer us. Show yourself strong and mighty in our midst. We desire you more than anything else in this life. We lay aside every other worldly, fleshly thing and say, Father, it's you and you alone. You alone deserve the glory and the honor and the praise. We magnify and worship you. We glorify your name. Thank you for being here with us, for saving us from sin, death, hell, and the grave. Lord, giving us life in you. Thank you for your strength, for your ability. We worship you today.